Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. And we're back. Today, I've got... Janice Francisco from Bridgepoint Effect. A little bit of uh, a little bit of a description on Janice, a decisive navigator who's refreshing and forthright. Many of the people she works with tell her they find that her approach and the thinking they bring to the table is refreshing. It's unlike other consultants they've experienced, and it's super helpful when Janice is pretty good at reading the situation at hand and navigating around a challenge. So they quick, so they learn quickly. They can trust her to do the right things and keep their best interests at heart. As for being forthright, Janice is compassionately honest and works from a place of integrity. She tells it the way it is. While it's sometimes hard to hear and she has to say, it makes it so much easier for people to respond and they know where things stand. Janice Francisco is a founder and the principal consultant again. And uh, Janice, thank you for attending and, and, and chatting with me on my podcast. Thank you for the invitation, John. We have lots to go to go over. There's so much interesting and fun information that, uh, you know, left to get into. And uh, yeah, I have a Love to hear how you know how you got started on all this. What's uh, tell me a bit about your company so our listeners, uh, you know, can get an, a full understanding of uh, the whole shebang, as they say. <laughs> okay, well, here's the little pitch to position what we do. Our company is called Bridgepoint Effect, and we serve courageous leaders who want to inspire and equip their people to change, innovate, collaborate, and think better together. So here's the story about how I got started. Uh, it's the early 2000s. I'm working on major organizational change and transformation projects, uh, often as a communications person or as the change manager on the project. And as happens on all change projects and organizations, at some point, something goes wrong and something gets challenging. And because I happen to also be a certified facilitator, meeting facilitator, when those situations occurred, uh, the team would typically come to me and say, hey, can you facilitate a meeting? Can you help us get the right people in the room? Can you help us think this through? Let's, let's tackle this challenge. And so I would engage them. We'd get everybody in a room, sometimes as many as 40 or 50 people. So you can imagine the amount of time, energy, and money being invested in trying to figure out this challenging problem. And we facilitate the thinking, we get them through some process, and, you know, I joke it was a successful day if nobody punched each other, and we worked things through, and people could get on with the next stage of their work. But here's the thing that I found really interesting whenever I was invited in to do that work. What I found was that as challenging as these problems were, the teams were thinking through and coming up with solutions that seemed pretty obvious. And they were things that it wasn't 
they weren't really breaking through the problem. They were just kind of containing it and skirting around it. And at least getting to a place where they felt more comfortable with the mess they were in, but not necessarily breaking through and advancing the thinking. And I was puzzled by this because I thought, man, if I was in charge, I'd be a little concerned that if this is a change project, how come we're still doing the same kind of thinking? How come we're coming up with old solutions or obvious solutions or things that we've already done or that are tried and true? Shouldn't we be doing something that's different? And the challenge for me at the time was I didn't know how to facilitate any different thinking. And so this was something that bugged me, and I sure wanted to fix it. And so I went out looking for, well, how can we help people think better? How can we help people solve problems better? How do we get breakthroughs in thinking? How do we actually drive the change that we say we want to have happen? And luck be habit, I ended up coming across a program. I was looking to do a master's degree at the time, uh, and I wanted to build on the business degree that I already had. And what I came across was something called a Master's of Science in Creativity and Change Leadership. And I went into the state, I did this degree, and in the first week when I walked in thinking, hey, I'm a pretty good problem solver and I know how to think things through and I'm looking for new solutions, I had this aha moment and I realized that here I was, somebody who thought I was a pretty good thinker, and I had learned within the first week that I wasn't thinking to my full capacity for a long time. And it was introducing me to new tools and new techniques and new ways to problem solve, bringing creativity into the mix and making sure that creative thinking uh, was uh, coming to the forefront rather than our typical critical thinking and, and, and other than our obvious thinking. I was tremendously inspired. And what that did was it started to allow me to solve the problem that I had when I was working with teams. And that was how to help them think better and how to help them actually drive that change. So that's how I got into the business. I, I saw a gap in the market, I saw a need, and I went, there's got to be something we can do better about that. So to this day, I still work uh, in organizations that are driving change. I'm working uh, in organizations where they're looking uh, to make innovation a reality and a best practice or something that they work well at, um, where people want to collaborate and think better together. And so I find myself working with organizational change teams, uh, project teams, executive teams, uh, work teams, or newly forming innovation teams, or even existing innovation teams, where they realize that, you know, they need to do a few things better, and they'd like some help in figuring out how to do that. Got it. Got it. And so, like, so certain industries... Um... There's many, there's many industries out there and many, many organizations that, that, you know, that are involved in these industries. Some have, have uh, they have the good effort, but something's stopping them. How do you, how do you figure it out? Is it, you know, the people are, they do want to change and they'll do everything, but it's, but there's something else. There's, there's a bottleneck somewhere. How do you, how do you analyze that? How do you come up with saying, okay, well, it's not your people, it's your product, let's say, that your product is is uh, a very hard sell and there's a long sales cycle even though the bills keep coming in right how do you like how do you figure that, how do you figure that out right it's, well you know it's not me who's figuring it out right. what i'm doing is i'm leading the team through some thinking mm -hmm. uh and some process 
to help create a different level of awareness and break through that what what that is. So often when we find ourselves in a challenging situation, um, first off, we're close to it, right? And we're not always going to be looking at it uh, as creative creatively or as critically as, as we might uh, with the support. Uh, even in my own business, when I'm in a situation where I need to think through something and I don't want to be blindsided by my assumptions or my tendency or, or a tendency to maybe not make it too challenging or too tough on us, uh, you know, I, I will make sure that I engage uh, some of my own peers and colleagues to actually help us do that thinking so they can hold us accountable to do something different. So, you know, really what this is about is it's about understanding what the challenge is, uh, helping a group clarify uh, what, it, what it is, what's going on, what are the aspects of it that they might not have uh, found, uh, you know, kind of un- uncovering the rocks or, or turning over the rocks so that they can look underneath things and go, well, maybe it's that, maybe it's that. Right? Because what I find typically when we go into work with clients where they're saying we have a very specific challenge that we want to walk through, I find that the presenting challenge is never the real challenge. Uh, we, we think there's a problem, but it's not the problem. And when we start digging into it and working to clarify and look at that situation from a number of angles, we can start to break the back of what's really happening and find other entry points to tackle the challenge. So. Um, so if, if somebody has just got a big challenge and they want some help working it through, uh, we can certainly provide some support in helping people do that thinking, much like I did as a meeting facilitator on the project teams I was working on. Uh, in, from another perspective, if a team realizes that, you know, when you think about all of the change that's coming uh, in organizations nowadays, when you find that people are being asked to to deliver results facing uncertainty and complexity that they haven't typically experienced. Uh, we have people in organizations who are being asked to chart new courses and find new ways to do things or solve the problem of that product that isn't quite working, right? Get, get a better handle on what are our opportunities and um, possibilities here. We'll go into uh, a team working with the leader and the people on the team, and we'll actually teach them the skills to solve complex problems and we'll introduce them to a creative problem-solving framework, we'll give them process and tools to help do that, and more importantly, what we'll help them understand is how they naturally engage in creative process, which has a very big impact on the kinds of results that they get. And so I can explain that a little more deeply if you want, but what we know is that when we're faced with a challenge as individuals, we all have preferences for thinking through how to solve that challenge. And we're tapping into a universal creative process when we do that. Well, one of the first things I can do with a team is I can help them all understand how they tap that process and what does that mean relative to the changes or the innovation that they're trying to move forward. With that information, the team now starts to understand why maybe they're not thinking things through as well as they can because we're all looking at problems from a different angle. And once we understand that there's a process of thinking that we can go through that's going to get us a better result, 
we can start to manage ourselves and manage each other as we move through that thinking process and drive far better results as we do that. Um, it's the sort of thing that starts to help to break down conflict on teams, you know, so rather than fighting at cross purposes going, no, no, we're going to do this, or no, we have to do this now. It, it really helps to organize the team and organize their thinking so they can really uh, sit through uh, what are the opportunities and possibilities for tackling that challenge. Um, so before you before you train, is there any kind of, let's say you're, you're 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 uh, helping a team. Um, do you do some kind of like Myers Briggs before, so everybody kind of kind of knows? Is there anything like that that can help each other? Because some people don't have patience for other people, so sometimes that's a bottleneck itself. Do, is there anything that you do before you have a a, a team meeting or a training? Well, you know, it's always important. Um, we we focus on. Uh, working from an outcome-driven framework. Right, so, right. you know, what is it, what's the shift or what's the change uh, by way of how the team is working together that the leader or the organization wants to produce? Um, and so we'll spend a bit of time up front understanding the context and the situation at hand. Uh, and then we'll introduce people to this aspect. So one of the things we'll do is give them an assessment that actually will help measure or give feedback on how they prefer to engage in the process. So we're working from a frame that says, look, when teams come together, regardless of the work that they need to do, they have two problems to solve. The first problem they have to solve is how are they going to get the work done that they have been asked to do, right? There's, there's results, there's delivery, there's things that they need to do. And most teams will focus immediately on that. But there's another question or problem they have to solve, and that's how are we going to work together? And this is the part that I see on teams where things start to break down. So yes, there's multitudes of assessments and things you can do out there to diagnose. But when I was working with teams and I was seeing that they were really having difficulty thinking through the challenges, by being able to give them some help in understanding how they engage in that creative process to solve challenges by giving them this simple assessment, it has big impact on how they perceive, you know, what is what is an what is what is a problem solving process, what is a what is a creative process, what's innovation, what is it looks when we're trying to drive change in a very uncertain situation. How do I react to that? And what is my responsibility to working with the other people on my team so that I can, or that we can, actually move towards the results that we've been hired to do? So we use an assessment that's called foresight, and we use a, a, a thinking framework uh, that comes from Foresight uh, and is based on 65 years of research into uh, human creativity, uh, how people solve problems, and, and helping people collaborate and communicate much better when they're working in those situations where we are dependent on others to get good work done. Okay. Were there any success stories, projects, or 
and or people that you are part of that you can share with us? <laughs> yeah, we've we've had many situations. So we've 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 worked across the spectrum. Uh, we've worked in government, believe it or not. Uh, we've done quite a bit of work in government. We've done a lot of work on uh, IT project teams. Okay. Uh, we've done quite a bit of work on uh, HR type teams. You know, with different teams that are providing services and, and are focused on creating value within the organization, but also teams that are focused on providing value outside of the organization for their customers, their stakeholders, that sort of thing. So, you know, as one example, we had a team that was being formed quite quickly. Uh, they were handpicking in this organization a group of people who had never worked together, uh, and they had an less than 18 months deadline, it was probably more like 15, 16 months deadline, uh, to drive uh, changes in the organization because the organization was literally going to be uh, delivering on a fairly big national project that, you know, if things didn't come together, people were not going to be safe and things were going to be having some difficulties. Uh, so um, the chief information officer in that team uh, became aware of the work that we do and invited me in and said, hey, here's my challenge. I've been asked to set up an innovation team. Here's the pressure they're under. They've never worked together. I hear you might be able to do something to help us. What can you do? I don't have a lot of time to invest in getting them up and running, but I do need to get them equipped and able to manage the challenges, the resistance uh, that they're going to see in the organization as they try to move this change through for us. Um, and as they try to introduce innovation, that's going to help us meet this deadline. And I went, no problem, I can help you. And in this particular case, uh, they were able to invest no more than a couple of days uh, to have us uh, give them some training and then give them a little bit of support and coaching afterwards. So we look at all of our engagements with our clients as a bit of a challenge to solve too, because... All of these things happen within a context, and we have to deal with the reality of the constraints that the client has, as well as the outcomes that they're looking to, to, to drive. So we suggested that we do some pre-work with the team. We got them to read a book to help them understand what we were trying to do to create, you know, help them create. Uh, you know, what does it look like for a team to work well together? And then we went in and introduced them to their foresight assessments. Uh, and then we looked at what the dynamic of the team so we could take individual results. And we had the team do a self-diagnosis based on the team results to say, so if this is the work that you're being asked to do, what, is, what are these results around how you prefer to engage in, in creative process and how you prefer to solve problems? What, is, what does this say about what you need to do to manage yourself and manage each other? Because you guys have to get the ground running. And what was great was they could very quickly see, uh, you know, where where they were each bringing strengths, uh, where they needed to help each other out, and uh, where some of the challenge points might be. So they had that understanding right off the bat. And we taught them process and tools, and then we spent some time coaching them through the reality of, okay, what are you going to do when you have to engage stakeholders and get their buy-in on these three things that you're doing? And we put them through the papers and got them to understand how they can use what we taught them 
to actually break through some of those challenges. And we gave them structures and uh, we gave them some support on thinking about how do they do those kinds of engagements. So it wasn't just teaching them as a team how to work, but it was also teaching them how to go out and work in the organization to harness that uh, stakeholder engagement and, and help the organization accept and adopt uh, the changes that they were needing to drive fairly quickly. Uh, to this day, uh, this client says to me, you know what you did for me uh, is you helped take the uncertainty, the ambiguity, and the risk out of the innovation that we were being asked to do. And I think that's really important. Right? Because when we have teams coming together uh, with high-pressure stakes uh, where the company or the organization is looking for some level of growth or to meet a very specific need in the market, we don't have time for people to be wasting time. We don't have time for things to not work well. Um, we need to give people what they need so they can be equipped to start uh, moving through that situation. And, you know, not many people are going to school learning how to be true innovators in organizations. Not not many are, are giving that given that practicality of, you know, what does it mean to use innovation and drive change to through an organization. Right. Right. So that's one example. Right. Um, you know, we had another client where IT project team, uh, we see this happen also in research and development teams. You know, so when you look at uh, teams that are engaged in IT or R&D, um, you know, the work they do is reliant on engaging other people or the work that, or the product of their work is meant to influence and inform decisions around how the organization is uh, going to behave or, or the work that they're doing. Well, when you get IT project teams in large organizations that don't know how to work well together, uh, or you get them where they don't have the ability to work well with the customer they're serving, it becomes very difficult for them to drive value in the organization. Uh, we see research and development teams where they're regularly telling us, oh my God, when it's time to work with marketing or product development or you know these engineering guys or whatever, it's like, man, we're all talking a different language, we're looking at things from different perspectives, we can't seem to get them on the same page. We don't know how to collaborate with them. It's not working as well as it could, and people find it to be very frustrating. But when you start to get frustrated with the people that you're working with, um, you start to realize that it becomes difficult to actually feel that you're getting results from the work that you're doing. So we'll go in and help those teams understand how they can work better with those other teams and how they can engage them much better in that process of thinking and create a much more uh, pleasant experience as opposed to a confrontational experience when, uh, when we have to start working with, with other people. And, you know, in today's world, I always talk about the fact that innovation is a team sport, and any time we're trying to change something, we are reliant on the help and support of other people uh, to make that happen. And so I also say that no change happens in organizations until the individuals uh, who are engaged in that change are willing and able to make change in themselves first. And so this is something that really gives people that ability to understand how to change themselves, uh, change their behaviors, think differently as they engage in their activities, their work activities, 
uh, so that they can start to drive the results that are needed in the organization. Right, right. Um, one, one, as the world's going more mobile, how, what is your, what is something that you can share, uh, strategy for remote workers? You got 15 people, uh, in remote locations working via web conference. What are some ways you can still, they're still part of a team, but they're not at a brick and mortar. What are some of the strategies you can share that, that can kind of make them not feel, as isolated, um, but still be part of that bigger goal or that bigger project, even though they're working uh, remotely? You know, that's a great question because you're in today's world, you're right. I mean, we're working in environments where people are distributed, yep. right? We're, we're working in virtual teams. Uh, we're distributed, you know, even from the standpoint, if we're working in the same city, if you work in a large city like Toronto, Right? It's like nobody wants to get in the car and drive across the highway. It's like, no, no, let's just do it on a video or a teleconference, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, who needs to hassle, right? We, we're all time pressured and we want to get things done. But, you know, in that whole mobile aspect where we're dealing with distributed teams, virtual teams, there's a lot we can do. And a lot of times, again, it's what, what the teams do. They need to think together. They need to work together. They need to work across the organization. Those interchanges need to be productive. And if we're taking, for instance, if we have a situation where we have a team meeting, or maybe we have a project meeting, right? And we're running a project or we're part of a project team where we have to dial in the weekly check-ins or, you know, whatever the prescribed schedule is. And we're finding that uh, we're not we're not able to uh, have productive meetings um, and uh, get done what we need to get done. That becomes a challenge. So one of the things we'll do is we'll work with teams who are working in that distributed uh, situation, and we'll teach them process and tools so they can run better meetings that are actually doing uh, the, the, the activities that the meetings need to produce. So we have ways that we can introduce uh, an online technology that helps teams work together in a, in a forum where we can actually bring true collaboration. So imagine being in a room with all of the people and you need to do some brainstorming or some creative discussion or you need to work through something that's challenging. If everybody's in the same room, you're using post-its and flip charts and we're gathering around and we're hoping to get something done because we can all see it. So if we've got everybody online and we're trying to do that, it becomes a little more challenging. But we've actually got a digital facilitation technology where we can allow people to participate in the meeting as if they're just in the room or they're in the same room. Um, and then we'll look at the meeting process and are they organizing the meetings in a way to make them productive. Are they, are they running a meeting well? Um, you know, so many teams get together and they don't have an agenda for a meeting or they don't have uh, a standard format that makes it easy for people to participate. Often it's just one person, you know, leading the conversation, sharing all the information. There's no means for that two-way or multi-way exchange of ideas and information. And we can't do things on our own nowadays. Uh, you know, there's too many complexities in the work and, and, and the 
things that we're being asked to do, we need to find better ways to collaborate with people. So I, I hope that helps to give you a little bit of an insight, but, you know, we can really look at what's the level of productivity in the meetings that teams are having if they're distributed and virtual, and we can teach them ways to run those meetings better using these tools and processes um, so that, you know, the meeting becomes something that facilitates thinking rather than just downloads information that we all could have read in an email. You know, if we're taking the time to meet, let's take the, take the time to also think and, and learn from each other around uh, the challenges that we're facing and the things that we're working to achieve. You've, you've worked with many, many companies. What can you share? Is there a common common bottleneck that let's say you've 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 uh, uh, you've um, um, worked with let's say a hundred companies is there one bottleneck or one common denominator issue that all, that all these hundred companies let's say are are that are always it seems to be repeating every time you, you go to a different company there's that little little uh, you know, little challenge, a little roadblock that is kind of common a common denominator for all the hundred companies that say, can is there anything, or they're all different? Well, you know, the reasons for why we might get brought in, the context can be different in each organization. But here's what we find is that um, there's a there's a typical place where leaders seem to understand they need to do something different. And it's when they recognize that things are changing for their team, right? And they're concerned that their team, given all of the things they know about their team, even if they've got a great team, you know, one of those dream teams, if we start to introduce change into uh, the way that the team works, and then you start to add pressure on top of that, um, we aren't necessarily going to be able to work in the same way that we've been working. And so typically the concern is around, hey, I'm changing things, and we're now operating in you know, a situation where it's uncertain, and I know it's more complex, and I'm concerned that my team has the energy or wherewithal to help me get through this. And and so it's leaders that are willing to face that reality and go, what can I do that makes this easier on my team? You know, it's not going to be easy, but what can I do to make this easier on my team? What can I do to help them work better together so that we can be cohesive and collaborative and and really come together as we navigate this new stuff and figure out how to still create value in the organization uh, or do the work that we're being asked to do. Um, so it's, it's typically that. It's, you know, something's changing, whether by choice or by chance. Uh, we're in new territory. We haven't necessarily done this before. And, man, I need to get everybody up and running and productive as fast as possible and doing what we've been doing in the past isn't necessarily going to serve us. And so it's typically that sort of a aha moment or that epiphany where it's like, mm, this, this isn't going to work, but how do I tell them how to work differently? What do I know, right? Um, and it's leaders who recognize that the wisdom is in the team 
it's just we gotta we gotta find better ways of tapping that and, and helping them uh, come to a new level of brilliance and and work uh, work for the organization. Do, do you think um, being an entrepreneur? Uh, do you think it could be taught, or it's just it's part of your DNA uh, as as an entrepreneur, as a as a leader? Is it can it be taught, or can it be, or or it's just in you, and that's and it, it just needs to be improved. You know, well, again, we go back to the research, and what we know is, faced with a challenge, we all engage in a universal creative process. Right. And we also know uh, that if we give people through research, we know that if we give people an awareness of that process, and we give them some choices on how they can start to work through that, and some new tools, we get a lot greater performance from them. So there's been quite a bit of independent research on that. But we also know is that creativity, which is at the heart of creative process, as well as a major contributor to our ability to innovate, is teachable. And we know that it improves with practice. So regardless of the ability that somebody thinks they have, regardless of how they prefer to engage in that creative process, because there is no one right profile or way to do it. It's you are what you are. Uh, and I think the benefit of being human is when we get information, we can now start to make different choices. So when we have awareness of ourselves, when we have awareness of the people around us and, and how they work, we can now start to have more compassion and empathy for what we're doing, and we can start to work uh, better together using that information. So it's definitely teachable. Um, and one of the things we've seen, we, we actually have a measure we could take into the organization to measure the mindset uh, of the organization. So when we're teaching uh, this foresight thinking system, what we're helping people understand is where their, their preferences are, not their ability. So the concept is we want to help people learn how to have the cognitive flexibility that they need. And when you, when you look at World Economic Forum and some of the strategic directions they're talking about and, uh, for 2020, 2030, around the kinds of skills that people need to survive in this very changing, technology-driven uh, workplace that we all are in, cognitive flexibility is on the list. And we can learn how to do this. And uh, so is... Uh, creativity, and so is complex problem solving. And that's really at the heart of what I'm helping teams understand and learn to do. But we've been able to validate using a quantitative measure where we administer it within the organization, asking people uh, around what they feel the mindset, the collective mindset in the organization is around how they are able to adapt to change and how they're able to grow through innovation or, or, or use innovation. And when we use that as a benchmark going into an organization, we can actually go back after we've done the training and done, done the work within the organization and the team to help them get this list in skills. We can go back 12 months or so later and measure again and we can actually point to very specific areas on an eight-point scale of where we're seeing a lift in their ability. 
Um, and I think that's important uh, because in today's world where we're data-driven and we are looking for return on investment and we don't know what our investment in innovation is going to look like or whether it's going to pay off, uh, as someone who can provide services to these organizations, I think being in a position where we can help them understand that that investment they made of time and money and resources for their people has actually paid off in a shift in their ability to uh, help the organization change and grow. I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and that's something that you know, we went looking for uh, and found a few years ago, and we were able to partner with an organization to help us bring that in, uh, into the mix of what we do. So I think that's also a good thing. Oh, okay. So it helps to show that it's teachable, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, at the end, it's uh, if if uh, so. So okay. So you're a creative person. Let's say 15, 20 years old. You are a very creative person, and then and then the whole world, the the the, the environment makes you into a administrative robot. Do you think with all the deadlines and 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 all the all these deadlines and and tasks and stuff and and it kind of like the whole environment kind of crushes your your creativity? Do you believe that creative person can actually get that creative that creativity back, but the environment still kind of chokes you to not become creative? Is is there is there really is there? Um... Well, you bring up a really good aspect of the dimensions and um, you know it's not just the people it is also the environment and yeah. so you you had the ages almost right uh, we know through <laughs> research that it's about grade four about this time people are 10 years old yeah. where they start to get very significant messages uh, in the educational system around the fact that no 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 we don't want you to imagine all possibilities here we're looking for one right answer <laughs> right. and it's People learn very quickly that success is measured by getting the one right answer. Right. The problem is when we go to school, when we go to work, there isn't any more one right answer. Certainly not if you're working on a change, a, a team that's you know involved in trying to change things or a team that's being asked to innovate. Right? There is not one right answer. So we have to get out of that critical thinking mode. We have to move into that creative thinking mode. But there's a really interesting dynamic that gets set up, and you can explain it by way of a polarity. And so um, there was a gentleman, I'll have to get you the exact name of who that was, I think it's Barry Johnson, who introduced the concept of uh, polarity management. And so if you look at it in, you know, look at it from the standpoint of rest and activity, right? If we rest too much, we get bored. If we have too much activity, we get tired. And we, we have to then rest. And so in all of the things we do, we have, to find, we have to find the right balance for that. Now, when we're working in an organization, there's an environment in that organization. And either the people we work with or the managers we work with are encouraging us to think differently and do things differently because they see value in that for what the organization is attempting to achieve. Or they're trying to squash that and they're saying, please conform. So every organization who is saying, hey, let's be more innovative or let's drive change has to manage status quo and change. And they have to manage that polarity between 
bringing creativity to the table to find new ways of doing things or conforming to the way we've always done things. And that's always going to be a tension in the organization. And one of the things we're doing is uh, when we're going into work with, with uh, teams and, and organizations is we're helping them understand this and understand that they need to balance that tension within themselves and they also have to balance that tension in the environment that they're in. Uh, you know, nobody wants people breaking rules or going against policy. And so we need to find ways to respectfully change or, you know, be creative about what we're doing. Um, and so we have to work within the constraints of the organization, and we have to find ways to manage that uh, creativity as well as conformity. Now, if, you know, I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm being invited in by leaders who want to make that change, and, you know, part of that conversation is, well, you know, you need to support this in your team. You've got to give them, you know, you've got to build their trust and, and, and build their confidence that it's going to be safe for them uh, to start to shake things up and do things differently. And so we insist that we teach the leaders at the same time that we're teaching a team because everybody has to learn how to behave differently. And it, even if it's only for that team in its own, we have to help create that environment where there's the psychological safety to be willing to put your neck out, to be willing to offer up a different solution, to be willing to think differently and to challenge the team to do so uh, and, and come to some new conclusions. So we've got to create an environment that supports that. And we do that by asking them to follow different protocols, asking them to... Uh, engage in specific thinking guidelines, uh, you know, respecting the preferences, respecting the process. There's a number of things we can do to support that. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely important. Now, if you're the one person in an organization who wants to drive change and, and make something happen, you know, innovative happen, you are going to come up against that resistance in the organization, and you will have to fight the environment. And that's a tiring thing. And so, you know, I think a large part of why we're seeing uh, innovation fail or we're facing challenges in the organization is that people need to learn more about the importance of the, the conditions that support that and, and create means to help move that through. And by learning a process like what we're teaching, people are better equipped to navigate that change, that resistance, and, and the environmental squashes that they're going to come up against or the things that kind of deflate them uh, to move that through. They're going to be more resilient. They're going to have more tools in their kit to be able to deal with those realities. You know, we go into this with the blinders off. It's, it's hard work to drive change through an organization. And if you've got some different tools and some processes to do that and you can engage others in a productive conversation to make it, it becomes easier to make that happen. You must be crazy busy. How do you prioritize? What do you, do you use any tools like technology or what is your what is your method of of uh, keeping 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 the eye on the ball, as they say? Well, yeah, you know uh, what I've learned uh, being in this business is that priorities shift moment by moment, hour by hour, yeah. and so I've become very good 
Uh, all right, you know, so here's my biggest thing. It has nothing to do with technology. Right. It's about being present in the moment and being able to be realistic about what is important right now, right? right. So what is it that I need to be putting my attention to right now and what can I let go and pick up later? So that's one strategy. Uh, I learned that through a lot of coaching, um, and, and I needed that because, I'm in the change business. Things are shifting constantly, so I need to have strategies to help deal with that. Uh, the other thing I do is I do use some technology tools uh, to, to help just on a day-to-day basis. You know, so we have uh, worked to do some automated uh, things within our own business uh, that make it easier to schedule time with me. Uh, we're very good also at blocking off my calendar so that we don't uh, create a situation where... I'm constantly in output mode and not in, a, in an ability to do that rest and rejuvenation as well as um, just taking the time to think and, and reprioritize through the day. Um, so we're using different tools to help with that. We're experimenting. You know, we're also looking at ways to innovate and automate the day-to-day tasks so that as an entrepreneur and a business, like you know, somebody who's working with my own team, uh, who are working to satisfy client needs, right. um, we, you know, we have the ability to remove from our plate the things that we shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, where, where we have a responsibility and accountability to, you know, accounting and all of the other functions that have to happen to run a business, you know, we've worked very hard to automate systems and engage suppliers and, and, and uh, train our staff uh, to help us manage that and so that we can really focus on the aspects where we are more creative and where we can create more value in the world. So, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what I can tell you. I'm sure everybody has to figure out what that sweet spot is for them. Some days I think I've got it right, and other days I'm not quite <laughs> sure, right? But that's just, you know, I'm human, and uh, I think that's just called richness to the reality when I'm working with clients, you know, whether they're in entrepreneurial organizations, you know, small, medium enterprises, or they're in government or in large organizations, you know, we all are human, and we all have to figure out how to get things done in the time that we have with the resources that we have, uh, and at the end of the day, we've got to still be driving some level of value uh, for the people that we're serving. And uh, you know, I think we need in this changing landscape uh, where things are changing so quickly, we need to figure out ways to have those conversations with ourselves and with each other uh, to figure out where do we need to put our time and our priorities and, and be honest about where we need to engage somebody else to help us do that work. Yeah, I mean, with all the, with all the social medias, I'm, I'm thinking about closing some of my social media accounts down because it's just noise and I'm trying to take away the noise out of my life so I can focus on what, you know, not being distracted nonstop with all these other platforms that are taking my time. And, and uh, there was, there was a, I, I spoke with someone says the most successful companies that are billions of dollars in revenue are the ones that, that are, are, uh, are taking your time and not compensating you for your time. So I was like, I, I, I found that very interesting. Like there's this. Well, you yeah. know, it's true when you think about it, right? We, we live in this self-serve world where just go get our app and take care of yeah. it, right? And, 
yes, and that eats more and more into our time. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the, as, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, navigating the social media landscape and, and finding ways to use that to create value in our organization has really taken a lot of creative thinking as well as a lot of discerning thinking, uh, you know, from the standpoint of uh, understanding what is the opportunity here uh, and, and how do we leverage it and when does it stop being a productive use of our time. Um, you know, so that's certainly been something we've had to, to look at over the last year or so ourselves, uh, particularly as we've been scaling the organization globally. Um, you know, we have to we have to be more cognizant of where where are we getting return for the investment that we're making, and where do we need to learn to be more patient around the investment we're making because it takes time for something to actually show results, right? Mm-hmm. Not all instant. We we live in an instant world, and we have right we have so much available at our fingertips that we. I think it's very easy to start to operate under the false illusion that uh, because we have things available to us quickly, we should also be able to see results quickly. And, you know, results take investment, and they come about in their own time. And yes, we have to work under time frames and deadlines, and we have to get things done. And at the same time, we have to be realistic about what we can achieve in those time timelines and be strategic in how we how we go about using that time. Right. Yeah. Well, I, even with our our clients, they, you know, they, you know, when we're designing something from a two D to three D. We're like, yeah. So is this gonna be the last one? I says, well, sometimes we ho- we hit home runs, and that sometimes happens. And sometimes it takes one open door to open another door to to the fifth door, and the fifth door is where you got your aha moment. And I can't guarantee that I'm gonna, you know, that we're gonna hit a home run, but it, it might take five, six, ten, fifteen tries. You just, if you really want it that bad, you have to endure that process. It's a process. It's a journey, and 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 and. and that's you know sometimes we, we we get in the first try and we're lucky and sometimes it, it does take you know until you're really happy with the results you, you have to stay on top and, and not get distracted by by um, by other voices in your head that that are saying quit uh, quit doing this is not going to get you anywhere and, and and the real ones are saying no the positive ones are going to say yeah no no I believe believe in this I, I I have the vision I'm going to I, this is going to happen and this is where the you know, the, 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 the strong survive, as they say. <laughs> um, sleep. I'm always a big, I'm a big science, oh. you know, because I, about productivity, I always want to be on top of my game. I want to, I, I, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, dozing off at meetings. Sleep is one. Th- any, any tips on sleep that you like, you know, how many hours, what do you do before you go to sleep? It's always good to sleep is very important. I mean, it's a big chunk of our lives. And if and we need to sleep soundly or properly or efficiently to to get that happiness the next day and and if you know any any tips you can share with us regarding oh sleep? I I am so with you on that belief <laughs> it is so important and when you look at it also in the context of you know not only do we need it to rejuvenate our physical bodies we need it to rejuvenate our minds right. and when we're not getting enough rest guess what. We can't be creative thinkers. We can't be good problem solvers because we just don't have uh, the mental capacity to do that. 
So I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people who's had to significantly and constantly innovate uh, how I sleep. Uh, I've really had to work hard at developing good habits around sleep uh, and finding ways to be okay with disconnecting from all the great things that I love to do or the things that I think I need to get done um, and, and working very hard to keep that all in perspective. Um, so, you know, I find I just don't do well on less than seven hours sleep in a night. Uh, so I, and I have also learned that I'm okay with being up early in the morning provided I get to sleep at a good time. So, you know, working towards getting somewhat of a regular sleep time, but I travel a lot and I'm on the road, I'm on different time zones, uh, you know, even making choices around when do we fly into a new location if we're in a different time zone so that we can be refreshed and ready to work, do the work that we're being asked to do. We pay a lot of attention to that. Um, so, you know, my basic thing is, hey, this, is, this isn't negotiable. This is what you need. So what are you going to do to get this done? Uh, and then when, you know, like one night this week, it didn't work out so well, and I found myself, uh, you know, at work operating on five hours sleep, well, you know, the next, that, that next day, I was in bed purposely very early uh, because I needed to catch up and, and, and kind of bring that back into balance. So um, I've, I've learned that balance is not uh, equal proposition. It's not, you know, balance doesn't mean you're doing the same thing perfectly all across the spectrum of stuff. I've, I've learned that balance is, okay, the teeter-totter was a little too far this side last night. What are we going to do to bring it back, you know, today? And what do we what do we need to do to help that? So, you know, sleep is important, and we need to get it. And I find if I can get into bed by a certain time, I sleep more deeply and I sleep better, you know, and, and I feel much more refreshed if I kind of try to get a little bit more out of the day and I push it and I get to bed later, well, I'm not sleeping as deeply and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't work out as well. So I think we have to learn how to pay attention to our bodies and I think we have to give ourselves permission to, uh, to get that downtime and that's just a, a reality of the factor, you know. I, I, you know, you're in, you're in a mechanical type business where you're working with machines. You can't run a machine all the time, right? At right. some point, it's got to go down and get some repair, uh, or it's got to have some maintenance. And, you know, whether it's seven hours sleep or eight hours sleep or whatever amount you need at night, um, we need that maintenance because none of, none of the rest of it comes together. And I think we, we ask a lot of our brains and, and you know, we're dealing with more complex, more uncertain things these days, and we just got to have our wits about us. We can't do that if if we don't get that done. You know, a little trick. I you know, when I travel, like I, I at home, I have a certain a certain fifteen uh, percent uh, humidity in the house. I need to have that moisture because. You know, you need to breathe, and it's it, and your nose and your mouth is not dry. You know, I so I have a mm -hmm. very, I'm very, very, very picky with with the moisture inside my house. So when I travel, I find some of these hotels are so dry. You wake up in the morning, and you wake up all parched, and you, and you want to drink four liters of water, and you don't even know why. So so a a uh, an associate goes, John, try this trick out, 
it, it's a it, it's a hack, right? So what you do is before you go to okay. bed, grab in the hotel room what doesn't have any windows, and it's super dry. You grab ice cubes and you put and you and you spread them out on the carpet. The funny thing is, oh. yeah, yeah, and and the funny thing is, in the morning when you wake up, the carpet's dry. It didn't even have time to melt. <laughs> so what happens is while you're sleeping, you get this. You could feel the moisture from the from the ice cubes on the carpet traveling in the air. And so in the morning, you don't wake up with a dry nose and 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 you know all just you know not feeling great because moisture is very important for your lungs and for your skin. And so this little little trick I do is just grab ice cubes from the from the uh, ice ice cube maker and then I just throw them on the carpet. And then I go to sleep, and you know only certain hotels. Not some of them are more advanced, but you can feel the room is so dry, and there's no window, so you you don't get fresh air coming in. So I throw ice cream, in the, and the next morning you walk, you wake up, and you look at the carpet, and the thing's dry. It just evaporates. That's how bad it is. So if you're ever traveling, ah, yeah, try that out. It I works love great. It, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that from now on. Everything. Yeah. Is- a decrease in their ice cream supply and <laughs> maybe some wet spots left on the carpet. That you know, it's so true. And you know, one of my things is I I sleep better at night when the room's cool. Right? Cool, yeah, cool's and the best way to go. There's yeah, there's been some studies around that, and you're right. You get into these hot rooms with not enough circulation, yeah. and it's not pleasant. And <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's just fabulous. <laughs> If you could, if you could send a message to yourself ten to thirty years ago, what would you tell your younger self? Oh wow! Any tips? I wish I did that. I wish I took this more seriously. I don't know. You know, just a broad I question. Think, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've done a, done a lot of things looking at, uh, you know, myself, a lot of self-reflective activity and. and so, you know, I think, I, 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 wouldn't it be great if we had the wisdom today, 10 or 20 years ago? And I, and I think the thing is, you know, I think we, for me, I would have loved to have been able to tell myself, you know what, you got this. You know what you're doing. Right. And, and it's okay, you know, trust yourself, trust the processes that unfold, don't get so caught up in the to-do list, you know, like, enjoy the ride a bit more, it's those sorts of things that, you know, I, I did not come into this world with that uh, wisdom, I needed to uh, learn it and, and reconnect to that, and I, for me, that's the thing, it's trust myself, trust what I know, trust the investments I've made, uh, you know, in, in the work that I do and the experience that I have. Uh, now, you know, I, now I can do that. And but it wasn't so easy back then. It was like I, I was working harder than I needed to and doing more than I needed to and trying to control all kinds of outcomes. And it's like, you know what, we can't control anything. We can we can set a direction, we can do our best to, to move things along, but there's so many other factors that come into play, and we need to learn how to operate in that. And so, you know, I've really had to work hard at learning that, and I think I'm getting better. Um, it seems to be getting easier to do, uh, but it's definitely something that uh, it would have been nice to have had a better understanding and appreciation for many years ago, but perhaps that was the journey and the lesson and that's what also brings different 
experience to the table when I work with people because I've had to navigate through that myself. Right. Where do you get your best ideas? When, you know... (laughs) (laughs) You know, John, that's so funny because that's one of the questions we ask people when we do training. And, you know, where I get my best ideas is like most other people. There's been research done on this. We don't get our best ideas at work, typically. No, I I, I agree with that. We get our best ideas when... You know, okay, via rail, I am going to tell you, I do a lot of travel, and in the winter in Canada, yeah. uh, in, the, in that corridor, I don't like taking planes all the time, and so I'll purposely book travel so that I can be on a train, and I can sit there with the Wi-Fi connection and do some work, and I'll tell you, there's fabulous ideas that come from via rail. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a plug for via rail. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, so it's that dead, fast bus thing, right? It's in the quiet moments. It's in the time. Again, I have deeply studied creative process. I know what my own, I, you know, I had to deeply un- unearth what my own creative process was. And I had to wrestle this to the ground. I had to come to terms with it. And one of the things I learned was that when I was working to get new thinking, um, yes, there's many things I can do in the moment, and I can get, I can generate great ideas as they're needed. But when I'm solving a big problem, just like everyone else, forcing it to come at a very specific moment is a crazy thing to do. Because when we're sleeping, when we're stepping away from it, when we're walking in the forest, when we're on the golf course, that's when everything we've been noodling gets that opportunity to connect and move and make new neural pathways in our brain, and then all of a sudden something bubbles up, and that is often the breakthrough. And so one of the things I'm, I'm working, uh, you know, with the teams that I'm working on, I'm, I'm saying, hey, give yourself a break. Like, get a, step away from it. So if it's important that you have an answer by Friday, well, tee it up on Monday so that, you know, it's back in, you know, churning in the back of your mind so you increase the likelihood that you start to get that coming. So yeah, I get my ideas in all kinds of places. But when I'm looking for breakthroughs, uh, they're coming in many different ways. And I have learned that I better have a device or a pen and a piece of paper handy uh, to capture that because they can be fleeting and often they're very very good and they're very essential to taking you to the next step of thinking. So I, I get them all over the place and I Capture them as fast as I can. Yeah, I use I use voice notes on my phone because yep. I, I I hate writing, so I don't have a you know notepad in my pocket when I when I'm going from my forest to walks. So I just be my voice note and just jot down my my verbal you know voice thought, and then later I'll come back to my desk and then just enter them in a in a in a in a uh, kind of a, a diary area somewhere where I can kind of follow up later. You know, so yeah. Yep. Uh, my, my uh, oh my God, I don't have anything. I mean, we always have our phone with us, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love the notes function in my phone. And I love it because it's all backed up, right? I don't have to worry about losing it. It all gets backed up automatically into the cloud. Right. So I can, and I can get at it from any of my devices. So that's also really good. Uh, I like your trick of the voice because I often will do that and do a recording. 
right. uh, and get somebody to translate it. But uh, yeah, it's so important to ca- capture that stuff. And, and, uh, and I think part of, you know, learning how to be more creative and innovative at work is, is learning how to work better with the, the brain that we've got and the body that we have and, and uh, the cycles that it goes through, right? And, uh, and that, that's so important to our ability to, to have that level of performance that people are asking of us these days. Right, right. Janice, thank you so much. It was super fun. And uh, again, thank you for, for your time and, and sharing your your insight. And uh, again, I appreciate, you know, this was, again, super fun for uh, hanging out and chatting. <laughs> John, thank you for reaching out. And thank you so much for that idea on how to manage the, <laughs> the humidity and the cool environment. Anytime. Awesome. I got a whole bunch that's, of hacks. That's a, that's a game changer, John. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. It's nice.